0: Well, I have been in a series. I, I, I don't think there's any ever been a year quite, quite like this for me. I've been in a series since January one. Now, every Sunday has not been dedicated to that series because we've had other people speak. I've been out of town a couple of times, and uh, anyway, in fact, the last four Sundays I haven't spoken on this subject at all. But. Uh, started this year talking about a shaking and an awakening and both are happening at the same time. How many hear me? How many think we could be the, uh, we could be the generation that sees Jesus come back? So with all the turmoil and volatility worldwide, particularly in, in America, there's so many uh, potential changes that are, that are creeping up and that's why today more than ever, we as the people of God need to stand up, stand our ground and not kowtow to the culture. How many hear what I'm saying? This is not a time to be a people pleaser, it's time to be a God pleaser. How many hear what I'm saying? So we've talked about the the, uh, first part of that, the shaking, and everything that can be shaken is being shaken, according to Hebrews 12, and it feels that way in every level of life. And everybody feels the pressure. The good news is, Jesus is really great at handling pressure. And when we, we learn to cast our cares on Him, then day by day by day, we can walk in assurance, we can walk uh, in victory, we can walk with a joy in our life because we know that we are on the winning team. Yes or no? So, um, uh, and then let me also say this. I'm just trying to foment some things here. We're glad you're here if you're new here. March 19th was a, a real uh, pivotal day in the life of our church. We've been having two services for Man, a long, long time, uh, 19 years, and uh, God dealt with me and spoke to me to combine them all back to one, and, you know, we'll eventually fill this up and have to go to a second service again, but that's okay. Uh, COVID changed a lot of things, but what I'm, I'm feeling in my heart, because of where the world is and where we're going, how many know God wants us to become more acquainted than ever with the Holy Spirit? And Jesus said it in Matthew chapter 9 that, you know, if you want a different manifestation of God in your life, you've got to do things differently. And he talked about wine and wineskins. We don't know anything about wineskins and putting, you know, juice in a, in a bag, but they did. And so, you know, again, so for us, what Jesus was saying there in Matthew 9, if you want God to do something fresh in your life, you've got to make some changes. How many know, so how many know just a little tweak, just a little change can make a tremendous difference in your life. Did you know that? You say, well, well, Pastor, what would it take for God to do something different in my life? It may take something as uh, as simple as you getting up just a little bit earlier and spending some extra time with the Lord in the Word and praying. I know back in 1983, God began to speak to me. I was dissatisfied. This is not my notes. Help me, Lord. Um, I wasn't satisfied in life. And... And I just, it, the, the, the discontent just grew and grew and grew. Had great fellowship with people. I was uh, on staff at a great church in Tulsa, Oklahoma. But, and I'd been to two Bible schools already, and not, not yet in my third. I've been to three, but uh, just dissatisfied. Just I love my wife, Susan. And I had a good marriage. We had no children yet. But we just, life was good, but I was discontent. And God was speaking. You know what he was doing? He was drawing me to him. And you may be here in the room today and you're discontent and you can't figure out why. It might be the Spirit of God disconnecting you from things that you've trusted in, sources of comfort, and uh, things that, you know, just kind of sidelined you from God's best. And He may be pulling on you to spend more time with Him. How many hear me? You know, if you never got hungry, you wouldn't eat as much as you do. But because you're hungry, you eat. Is that true? And some people just eat one meal a day. It's just all day long because they're hungry all the time. I'm just saying, I'm just saying for God, you know, he'll put a hunger. And sometimes that hunger manifests itself in in dissatisfaction. Smith Wigglesworth, see, I get talking. This is amazing. I I, I hadn't planned any of this. Uh, It's amazing. Smith Wigglesworth said this. Who was an English evangelist, had 23 people raised from the dead under his ministry, died in 1947. He said this, and I read this, but way back in the early 80s, and boy, I underlined it, and I thought about it a lot. And I put it in my notes, and he said this. He said, I'm only satisfied with the dissatisfaction that has to be satisfied over and over again. Isn't that good? He went on to say, he said, I'd rather have a person on the platform preaching with me that is not filled with the Holy Ghost, but is fervent for God and has a zeal for God and a hunger for God than a person that's filled with the Holy Spirit and is satisfied and sated and doesn't want anymore. Wow. So if you want to pray anything for others and yourself, pray that you stay hungry. Pray to get hungry. Those that hunger and thirst after righteousness, what did Jesus say would happen to them? Psalm 107.9, he satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness. If you're not hungry, say, God, make me hungry. Cause me to be." You want to pray a great prayer for yourself? Lord, help me to stay dissatisfied. Because if you stay dissatisfied, you'll be seeking. Is that, I, I don't know about you, I'm not satisfied yet. Are you? That's why we need to seek until we find, right? So you know, I, I, I'm speaking prophetically. There's people in the room, you're not satisfied. But see, that's not, you, you're taking that as a bad thing. No, no, that means it could be the hand of God on you. He's leading you away from the things of the flesh that take your time. He's leading you away from things that are distractions to you. And He's asking you to come a little closer, dig a little deeper, come to know Him a little bit more. I tell you, there's so much in God, you can never know enough. This life, this side of heaven, I think it's going to take all of you. I feel the spirit of God. Would you lift your hands with me? Lift your hands, Lord. I feel the zeal in your heart. Uh, For every person in this room, Lord, make us uncomfortable with anything that would move us away from you. So many life distractions today. Every person in this room is known by you and deeply and intimately loved by you. In the name of Jesus, Let that hunger come and touch every life. Let that hunger touch every life. And Lord, let that hunger eclipse every fleshly thing that dogs any person's tracks in the name of Jesus. Thank you. (laughs) Hallelujah. Isn't that good? You know, God is uh, better than you'll ever realize I was in the middle of saying, it'll take uh, all the, uh, you know, a million years from now, it's hard to imagine living that long. We're eternal spirits. A million years from now, there'll be vistas of God that we'll still be understanding, that we won't even know yet. There'll be more of Him that He'll be revealing to us. Just understand when you get to heaven, you're not going to be playing a heart, drinking sweet tea, hanging on a hammock. You're going to be busy. Do you think God saved you, filled you with the Holy Ghost, changed your life, redeemed you, just so you and, and you're busy here just to go to heaven and do nothing? Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, it has not even entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love Him. In Ephesians two seven, that in the ages to come He might show. All of the riches of His inheritance in us in Christ. You know, God's going to put on a show for us one day. It's not just going to last a day. It's not going to just last a week. It's not going to last a month. It's going to last for eternity. Woo-hoo-hoo! Glory to God. You may, be, you may be a million years from now in some part of the universe. And God said, I'm giving you an assignment. I want you to do X, Y, Z. You're going to be over there. And at the speed of thought, you're there. And you're doing whatever He's calling you to do. You just don't know. You have no idea what God's got up his sleeve for you. But all we know is it's grand. God's got a grand plan. Are you excited about that? Let me tell you where Americans have been. I'll get to my notes one day or maybe I won't. Let me tell you where we've been so sated and satisfied that we don't need God. We can drink our beer. If I don't drink beer. We can do our drugs, we can have our sex, we can have our, have our parties, we can go to our ball games, we can do our stuff. Nothing, nothing wrong with ball games and all that. But well, I'm just saying we have, so many, we have so many things in life that fill us until, until the, the, the need and desire for heaven is very, very small in many lives. And but, but we're in a process of time right now that that's being turned around because judgment is coming to the idols that we've served. Did you hear me? So just listen up. And straighten up because <laughs> God's doing a grand grand thing and uh, you know he wants us to, to serve him and love him let me just say walking with God is not a religious thing it's a spiritual thing a lot of people have made religion out of out of relationship with Jesus and it's, it's nothing like religion religion is an outward set of do's and don'ts and outward design that you follow So in your own heart and mind, you're right. But you know what? A relationship with Jesus is fluid. It's really like a marriage. Did you hear me? And you have those, uh, and you have those analogies there in the book of Revelation where his bride, he's the groom, you know, I've loved being married to Susan all these years. How many years this year? 44. And, you know, we still having fun and, uh, laughing and joking and, you know, doing things together and, uh and see that's a relationship and see relationship with the Lord is that way it's not, it's, it's not boring if you get to know him the way he wants you to know him you'll be busy you'll be busy learning him knowing him ministering to him and then ministering for him you can't minister for him until you minister to him yes or no we started this year, uh, God gave me two words. Number one, challenge. How many know this year's been challenging? The other word he gave me for, for me, and I think for our church, is stretch. Anybody feel stretched besides me? Yeah. Uh, stretched means you're doing things that you've never done before. You're going places you've never been before. See, the Holy Spirit's talking to me, and here's what I hear him saying. You know, sometimes just one little, just one little correction in your life can set you on a different trajectory. I'll let you into one little thing in my personal life. This is weird, but every day, listen, every day I play solitaire. You know why? Every day, I don't miss a day. I'll get off, take a little break, play solitaire. You know why? Because, because it looks like you're about to lose in just one move, you win. And if you're gonna win, you gotta constantly move forward. You gotta move. If you stagnate and don't move, you lose. And see, it talks to me about life. I'm not kidding. Every day, God uses something small like that to remind me, Mitch, don't stop. And don't stop making small incremental changes. Now, by the Holy Ghost, there's people in here you are not satisfied with you. You just need to make a small change. Small. For you, I don't know what it is. For you. It may be turning your device off and spending time praying or, or reading a, passage, a chapter of the Bible during your lunchtime. For others, it may be spending some more time with your spouse because there's some friction there. For others, it may be starting to communicate with children you haven't communicated with in a long time. Do you hear me? Just one little small change. For others, it may be you're having problems physically and God may be asking you to change your diet. Now, that's a challenge, isn't it? and you know he'll talk to you about little things i'm just what i'm trying to show you is your relationship with jesus is fluid it's always moving it's always changing how many hear me i'm going the direction i had no idea i'd go today but uh, here's what i want you to see jesus knew that just before he came back there would be some intense pressure we're going into See, he knew that just so he was on i was thinking about this uh, yesterday and the day before jesus at the ascension he appeared you know after he was raised from the dead we just celebrated his resurrection a couple of Sundays ago. But after his resurrection, uh, Jesus appeared to his disciples for 40 days. And then he ascended to heaven, right near the Mount of Olives. You know the story. But one thing he said to his disciples, he said, don't leave Jerusalem until you be clothed with power from on high. you receive power when the Holy Spirit's come upon you. And then he said, verse 8, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit's come on you, Acts 1.8 and you'll be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. He told them not to leave Jerusalem until that power came on them because here's what he knew. The pressure of the time and first century pressure was awful. I mean, you've got, you've got a lunatic madman in Nero that's ruling, that's ruling the Roman Empire and burning Christians at the stake and, and accusing them of burning parts of, of, uh, of Jerusalem and, and uh, uh, creating havoc in the Roman Empire. And, and they were being lied about. And Jesus knew all those things would happen. He also knew that some would become martyrs for the faith. And the one thing he said is, don't leave Jerusalem because you're going to receive some power. See, he wasn't telling them to go crawl in the hole and wait, wait, wait for him to come back. He said, you'll receive power. He wanted them to minister for him on his behalf while he was gone until he came back again. How many hear me? And he expected the power of God to be on us. Yes or no? And Jesus said, that's one thing he said. Then after saying this, Acts 1, 9, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching and they could no longer see him. And as they strained to see him, can you imagine talking to somebody and gravity loses its effect? Bye. And And they said, what happened? They didn't know anything about rockets the way you do. But Jesus took off. As they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. Did those angels lie? Is Jesus coming back? It's been 2,000 years. Why didn't he come back yet? Because God's not willing that any should perish. But all should come to repentance. You're sitting in a seat here today. You're a believer. You're walking with Jesus. The number one reason Jesus left you on earth is for you to share Him with somebody else. With your lifestyle, with the way you work, with the way you talk, with the way you treat your spouse, with the way you deal with your children, your grandchildren, the way you carry yourself, the way you eat your meal at lunch when you're taking a break. How many hear me? People are watching you. little eyes are watching you all the time. Huh? I was going to get something out of Lowe's Food the other day and uh, tootling through there and I had my little hat on and had my little short pants on and be bopping around. You'll never see my legs, believe me. But uh, here I go and uh, and then I was checking out and this guy had passed me with his daughter and then I'm checking out and uh, and you know I went to the self container, uh, self serve place because I can do it faster of course. <laughs> so, so I did my little stuff and uh, put my Stuff in the bag. And, uh, and I walked by. He said, don't I know you? This guy. I said, and you know I did know him. And then I thought, I wonder what I did while I was in here. <laughs> well, I, well, all I did was walk around and get my stuff. That's all I did. But you know, the idea is people are watching you all the time. Huh? You never take a break from Jesus. Is that true? And that's what he was saying here. You receive power when the Holy Spirit come upon you. And you'll be witnesses to me wherever you You are. How many here hear me? So right now, uh, the devil is challenging uh, God for world control with the emergence, you know, of the global government, and it's all working out right now, financial system, and one day that mark will come and all that kind of stuff, and uh, the person the Bible calls Antichrist will will, uh, loom to power. At some point, we just don't know when all these things are happening, but the idea is God doesn't want us to be on the defense. He wants us to be in the offense. And, and weeks and weeks ago, I think back in February, I was taking a walk on, on a Saturday listening to a podcast by Mario Murillo. And he said, I love what he said, end times do not happen to me. I happen to end times. I just like that. So the idea is offensive living. I noticed in Acts chapter 4 after Peter and John... Uh, ministered to the guy at one of the gates of the temple who had been crippled all of his life, and he actually got up and began to walk in front of everybody, and it was a notable miracle, and everybody saw it, and then the, uh, the religious leaders were upset because they upset, uh, Peter and John upset their religiosity and showed that God was alive and real, and the guy got healed, and they told him not to speak in the name of Jesus anymore, and I noticed this. They, they didn't become defensive. They stayed on the offense, And they prayed, and now, Lord, hear their threats. Give us your servants' great boldness. In preaching your word, stretch out your hand to heal uh, with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after this prayer, the meeting place shook. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Preach the word of God with boldness. Now, they were filled with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, all in the upper room, 120 of them, But here again, uh, while they were praying, they were filled afresh with the Holy Spirit. There's one baptism with the Holy Spirit, but how many know there's many fillings? And you need to stay full of the Holy Ghost. Be not drunk with wine, Ephesians 5 says, which is excess. Don't excessively drink, drink alcoholic beverages. I drink none. I'm a teetotaler. Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. The Greek tense says, be being filled it's a continual present tense. We ought to be constantly seeking for more of the Spirit of God, not less, yes or no. And then understand this experiences we have in God, they're not for yesteryear, they're to be current today with our life. How many hear me? So, so my, that brings me up to what I want to talk about today, just for a few minutes. I want to talk about what, something I do that keeps me stirred up in God. Before I tell you what it is, let me say in 1984, uh, I had been in ministry since December, actually October of 1981 on a volunteer basis. I started ministry as an associate pastor of a church not paid, out of the will of God. And then Susan and I moved back to Oklahoma where I was, where we had gone to Bible school, and I actually got on staff at a church there and uh, got on staff at, in a non-ministry position. And then, and then in uh, 1984... Um, was really my first full-time ministry position and you know as a young man I was 25 turned 26 that year then all I can tell you is about that experience was that it challenged me so much and and one thing I recognized was that there was constant pressure if you're in ministry I, I let me just say there's constant pressure there's, you know, we're believers and that's, you have a certain amount of pressure exerted from, from the world towards you. But if you're in ministries, there's not only pressure, exterior pressure, but then there's the pressure to always be on and never be off. Do you hear what I'm saying? If you're going to be effective in ministry, you can't take any time off spiritually. Now, we take time off now. Even when I take a break, I'm not. I'm not taking a spiritual break. I read my Bible. I pray. I seek the Lord. I read books, and you know, you just got to keep it going. But one thing I noticed as a young man, and I said it to the Lord, because you know, I worked in the um, grocery industry from the time I was 16, and I became a manager in Tulsa, and that could have been a vocation, a career, whatever, and. And these other managers wanted me to do that, but God had a call on my life, so I chose you know, what the will of God was. But I'm just saying, I noticed when I, when I made, the, made, made the, the change to ministry, just the, the intense pressure of just always being spiritually acute and spiritually tuned in. Do you hear me? Now, you see, some people, they take a break spiritually. Now, you're in God, and you've got a position where you're ministering to people, and, and you have in, influence on them. You've got to be on, right? So, so one thing, here's one thing I found. I said all that to say this. One thing, I, there was a key. I said, God, how am I going to keep myself built up all the time? How, how am I going to do this? And then, you know, that year that I started ministry in 1984, we had our first child that following October. I got that position October uh, August 15th. And then by October, we had our first child, you know. So now I'm a daddy and I'm a husband and I'm a minister of the gospel. So God, how am I going to keep myself tuned in with all these responsibilities I've got now? We eventually have four children. How am I going to keep, keep myself spiritually strong? So here's a key. Can I just talk to you? In my spiritual life that has kept me, I just can't tell you what it's done. <clears throat> how many ex-Southern Baptists do we have here? Raise your hand. How many current Southern Baptists do we have here? How many ex-Methodists ex-Me- uh, do we have here? Raise your hand. Uh, how many ex-Presbyterians do we have here, Regime? How many just ex-sinners do we have here now? There we are. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes it's better to not even have a background in God because you have to unlearn all the religiosity. Did you hear me? Now, let me say this. We live in the Bible, but, but the thing that helped me the most, and this is challenged, is I got baptized in the Holy Ghost September of 1976, and every day since then, I spend time praying in tongues or praying in the Spirit. Did you hear me? And I've had people give me spit baths about it and get so upset with me about it over the years because they say, well, well, you know, just because you do that don't mean that everybody should be doing that. I said every believer, it's the will of God for every believer to get baptized with the Holy Ghost and to pray in tongues. And I've gotten a few spit baths over that one too. But nonetheless it is the will of God. That's what Jesus said. He told the first church, the the first disciples, don't leave Jerusalem until you receive power from on high. You you receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. If they needed that power, how many know we need it more today? We've got the same kinds of challenges, yes or no. So I spent a couple of Sundays talking about the baptism with the Holy Spirit a few weeks ago. And I want to I wanna kind of go back to that a little bit, but take a little nuance and change it. Talk to you about one of the uh, uh, experiences that come with the baptism with the Holy Spirit. And that is the ability to pray in the unknown tongue. And I want to talk to you about how it does, how it works in a real practical way. Now, if you, um, if you listen to my podcast, I have a podcast on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And you can go to our website or mitchhorton.com. And you can I, I write a blog mostly Monday, Monday through Friday. Some days I'll miss because I've got a lot going on. Um, but on Tuesdays and Thursdays, there's a podcast. And I've been talking about the value of praying in tongues in detail. Uh, the last several times, and uh, I think I finish up, this coming Tuesday is the last one on that, but, uh, so there's a lot that I don't have time to say on Sundays, you can listen to the podcast and get it, and it's 20, 25 minutes or so, the podcast, so I encourage you, but I've been talking about that, but I felt like Sunday morning I needed to mention this. Now every instance in the book of Acts where believers were baptized with the Holy Spirit, that is Acts chapter 2 in Jerusalem, Acts chapter 8 in Samaria, uh, where, um, where, where Philip preached, and then uh, in Acts chapter 10, in a non-Jewish person's household, Cornelius's household, and then about 20 years uh, post-Pentecost in Ephesus, modern-day Turkey, uh, there were people that were baptized with the Holy Spirit. And, 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 then, and then Acts chapter 9, when, when Saul, later named Paul, was on the road to Damascus, Damascus to persecute believers and have some of them killed, Jesus appeared to him in a blinding light. And then a a disciple named Ananias in Acts chapter 9 ministered to Paul, uh, Saul, who later became Paul, and he received his sight and was filled with the Holy Ghost. And by Paul's own admission, uh, he prayed in tongues more than the whole Corinthian church put together. I thank my God I pray in tongues more than all of you. And that's all they did when they got to church. They'd talk in tongues and everybody thought they were cuckoo. Because the unbelievers would come and say, these people, are just batty. Why are they doing this stuff? And Paul said, don't be doing that to church all the time. People won't know what you're doing. And that you are be built up, but they're not. So he had to give them some, you know, some admonition. But he said, I pray in tongues more than all of you. In every instance in the book of Acts, where believers were baptized with the Holy Spirit, they spoke in other tongues. Acts 8, it doesn't specifically say they spoke in tongues, but when... But when this guy who uh, was actually in the occult, he came to Jesus, got saved under Philip's ministry, and then uh, Peter and John came from Jerusalem and laid hands on the believers, and they also laid on hands on him, and he said, Give me also this power that those whom I lay my hands on can receive the Holy Spirit. And then, you know, he got rebuked really strong. Who do you think you are? This is not some power you use, it's the Holy Spirit. So he got rebuked, but when he saw that through the laying on of hands, the Holy Spirit was given. How did he see it? They spoke with tongues. So if you have the valid New Testament experience of receiving the baptism with the Holy Spirit, you should be speaking in other tongues. Right? So let me say it a different way. It's the will of God for every believer to be baptized with the Holy Spirit and pray in tongues. Again, two workings of the Holy Spirit in the believer's life. Uh, the um, the uh, new birth brings the, in, the uh, indwelling of the Spirit. Everybody say Indwelling. And see, Jesus in John 4 likened that to a well, a water that you bring out of a well. Therefore, with joy, will you draw water out of the wells of salvation, Isaiah twelve three says. So uh, he likened the Holy Spirit coming into us and indwelling us in the new birth um, to a well when he was talking to the woman at Samaria in John 4. And then in John 7, Jesus was about to... He was, they, they had another feast Uh, The Feast of the Drawing of Waters was actually a ceremony they had. I don't have time to go into detail. It's really a fascinating thing. But Jesus spoke up at that. He said, if any man come to me, uh, let him come to me and drink. He that believes on me, as the Scriptures have said, out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. By this spake he of the Spirit, that they which believe on him should receive. Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. And he's talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So there's the indwelling and the baptism with the Holy Spirit. One is a well, the other is a river. How many, how many think a, a river has more water than the well? How many think that a river is more inferential than a well? How many think a river can serve more people than a well? How many know it goes a long way? And a lot of people can be helped. God wants you to have the well, but he wants you to graduate from the well and go to the river. Baptism with the Holy Spirit. So question, have you received the baptism of the Holy Spirit? If so, you should expect to speak with other tongues on a daily basis. Now in my notes, and I've, my notes are online, go to victorychurchraleigh.com uh, forward slash notes. My notes for today, there's a lot there that I won't talk about. I don't have time. But at the very end, I have a thing and I titled it Extra Colon. And under that, there's some really strong belief. And see, I feel very challenged living in Raleigh talking about Holy Spirit things because we're in the Bible belt and most churches here teach cessationism. Do you know what that is? The root word of that is cease So the whole ideology and the whole area we live in is that the gifts of the Spirit, the baptism with the Holy Spirit, the ability to pray in tongues, uh, uh, divine healing, miracles, gifts of the Spirit, all of that stopped when the last apostle died who was John. Once John died right towards the end of the first century, then all of that ceased because it's no longer needed. And friends, I can't find that in the Bible anywhere. Not, not anywhere. And the reason they say this is because they say, and, and this is all in the notes, and I want you to read it. Uh, they say in 1 Corinthians 13, what is it, verse 11 or 12, um, um, I know in part, I prophesy in part, but when that which is full has come, then that which is in part will be done away with. And they say, well, they needed the gifts of the Spirit, the power of God, because the Bible, the New Testament, wasn't available to the church during the first century. So once, uh, once uh, the, the New Testament uh, scriptures, uh, all of the books of the New Testament, all 27 of them were compiled uh, and then added to the Canaan of Scripture, then then the Bible became the Word of God, and so the no longer necessary to have the baptism with the Holy Spirit. And I say, bunk, baloney, hogwash, trash. Absolutely not true. In fact, 1 Corinthians 13, he's not talking about the Bible. He's talking about when we get to heaven. You know, you won't need to pray in tongues when you get to heaven. You won't need spiritual gifts when you get to heaven, because you will know even as you are known. How many hear me? But until we get there, we need some help. Would you agree? So maybe you're of the uh, ideology that uh, I'm I'm just talking crazy today. Just go search the scriptures whether these things be so. In fact, Peter in his sermon on the day of Pentecost, Acts 2.39, for the promises unto you, that's that generation, to your children, that's the next generation. And then he covered this generation and to all that are afar off. Are we living in all that are afar off? even to as many as the Lord our God shall call. So spiritual gifts are available today, and they have been all through the church age, and, there's a, and, and and you can read, and history has documented the fullness of the Spirit, the baptism with the Holy Spirit, and the ability to speak with other tongues. John Wesley, Charles Finney, Martin Luther, I mean, you go read their writings, they got filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke with tongues. That shocks a lot of people. The Methodists would come unglued. They found out John Wesley spoke in tongues. yeah. The founder of Methodism, yeah, it's it's amazing. So nonetheless, let me talk a little bit about praying in the Spirit, and I've got a lot to say about that, but I wanted to tune in on one thing. One thing I've noticed, y'all, everybody okay? One thing I've noticed in my personal life, uh, one thing that praying in the Spirit has done is is kept me uh, really aware of the person I am inside. And the really cool thing about knowing Jesus is when you come to Jesus, how many know your insides change your interests change yes or no your motivations change so you're here today or you're watching online and you're looking for a change you need the new birth in the new birth the holy spirit comes into the human person comes to dwell literally in your human spirit and you are born again the life of god comes to he deposits his life in His nature in you, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, self-control, all of the fruit of the Spirit. And you're changed. And then you try to act like you did before you came to Jesus. It's like, don't do that. Don't talk that way. Stop hanging out with that person. They got a potty mouth. Leave them alone. They're doing drugs. Leave them alone. Don't have sex. I mean, he's still talking to you. Quit lusting, right? Quit being so angry. Quit being so cantankerous. Don't stop being selfish. Don't be selfish. He's not talking. Has he been talking to you? See, that's that's a telltale sign you're a child of God. If he never speaks, is he in you? If you can keep doing life the way you did it prior to the time you say you met Jesus, you can keep doing the same stuff. I say you didn't meet him. Because I'm going to tell you right now, he talks. How many hear me? Now, praying in the Spirit. See, God wants us to become more aware of our inside than we are the person on the outside. And if you learn to live that way, that's when you learn to walk in peace, walk in rest, walk in joy, uh, regardless of what's happening on the outside. And we're going into a time just before Jesus comes back. We need to learn to act on this. How many hear, hear me? So praying in the Spirit elevates the human spirit above the natural person. I want to give you some illustrations before I do listen to First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23 again. I've shared this so many times. New Living Translation, Paul said, Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way. And notice he said, May your whole spirit, everybody say spirit, and soul, everybody say soul, and body, everybody say body, be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. Three parts to us. When I was a little boy, the pastor was constantly, say, constantly saying we had two souls saved last Sunday. Well, he was really saying two people came to know Jesus, two people were born again. But really, uh, really, souls weren't saved, spirits were transformed, they were born again. So it's a misnomer or a, it's a misspeak sometimes when we say things and we confuse people. But there are three parts to the human. We are spiritual beings living in physical bodies. There's an outward man, there's an inward man. Second Corinthians 4, 16, though the outward man perisheth, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. So there's an outward person, an inward person, and the inward person is comprised of both spirit and soul. Everybody say spirit. Say this, the real me is a spirit. Now, Jesus said, uh, talking to the woman at the well of Samaria in John 4, 24, God is a spirit. In fact, if you look... Uh, If you look in the Greek language, the article there, A, is missing. So it says God is spirit. God is a spiritual being. So so God has made us in a way that we we can relate to God as a spiritual being. He made us spirit, human spirits. Say this out loud, I am a human spirit. So you're a spirit being. Say I'm a spirit being made in the image of God. Now, say I have you say it. Do you ever think that way? Do you think that way about yourself? We should think that way about ourselves before we think of our bodies and before we think of our minds and emotions. You see, we're so alive with our physical things and our mental things and our emotional things, we just take that spiritual stuff and just put it off to the side. We need to take the stuff that's off to the side, spiritual, and put it first. Now, I found praying in the Spirit helps me do that, and I want to talk to you about how that works. But again, spirit, soul, the soul is mind. This is real simplistic, I understand, but for explanation, it's easy to to get you to see it. It helped me to see it all these years, and now I I really uh, think I have a a good take on it. They really mix together so much, but uh, spirit and soul and body, they're so intertwined that you have thoughts and feelings and desires, and you just got to get quiet to figure out why am I feeling that? Is that my spirit person? Is that my body talking to me? Or is, it, is that my is that my mind? Is that my reasoning abilities, faculties? Is that my emotions? How many of you know you can never trust your emotions? Emotions are usually fed by thought, or emotions can be fed by your body. Emotions also can be fed by your spiritual nature. Jesus wept. When Lazarus died, see God gave you the capacity to, to emotionally feel. The word "emote" is where emotions come from. And it means to it means to move. Emotions move you, don't they? If you see some a little baby crying, you want to pick it up. If you see your spouse crying, you'll say, "What's the matter?" See you, you see your child crying or, or some or hollering, you say, "What's up?" Emotions so they move you, right? But we shouldn't let emotions control us and dominate us. Nor should we let our thought life alone. I have met some people that are so mental, they never let God in. Because they've got to figure out the equation for God. There is no equation. In fact, I've got a book called The Physics of Christianity. And the guy had a whole whole paragraph equation where he, he said, I have proved God exists by a a physics equation right right here right here and (laughs) he called god a singularity and he said he found out the universe started one with a singular event and then it'll all go back to a singular thing i am alpha and omega i am the beginning i am the end and all thing all this in the middle comes right back down to the creator it was incredible Physics of Christianity, I forgot the guy's name. I got it in my office. Now I want you to think about it. God created you to fellowship with him, a spiritual being in a physical body. How many hear me? Mind, reasoning, faculties, thinking. Reasoning, thinking is the mind. That's the voice of the mind. Feeling is generally the, the, uh, is the voice of emotion. And then the physical body, it's got the five senses right? And that's all simplistic, I understand. But if you want to hear God, you got to figure out spirit. You got to become more acquainted with spirit things, spiritual things, the natural things. Proverbs 4.23, God, your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. What's he saying there? Guard your heart. Pay attention to the person you are inside because everything you have on the outside is determined by who you are inside. So so you think you can live any old way and walk with God's impossible because outward things can, can, can hinder and put a wall, a blockage up to spiritual things. Right? No, you can't just walk any old way not and get in the spirit and be with Jesus. Guard your heart above all else. It determines the course of your life. That's one reason Jesus said when you when you're praying, forgive if you have anything against anybody that your father in heaven may also forgive your trespasses. So unforgiveness is like a fog. It blinds you to what's around you. You're focusing on that one thing that hurt, that pain, that loss, that aggravation. You've got to be willing to let it go or it masks your spiritual life. Do you hear me? Some people in the room may need to deal with some forgiveness issues. If you want all that God's got, you've got to lay people at the feet of Jesus regardless of whether you're right and they're wrong, etc. you just got to let it go at some point. It, it's not worth holding on to. Yes or no? not worth holding on to. you got to let it go. And sometimes that's a challenge because your emotions want to keep picking it up, thinking about what they did, thinking about what they said, thinking about what they didn't do, thinking of how you were affected by another person's actions, and you couldn't change it. If you get aggravated and stay aggravated with them, it puts up a wall spiritually, right? And then we have mind, emotions, then we have the will. That's the soul, mind, emotions, and will. The will, power of choice, the ability to decide, See, that's all in the soul of man. Mind, emotions, will. That's the soul of man. And then the interior part of us is spirit and soul. Then you've got to be able to separate your spirit person from your soul. The Word of God is alive and full of power, Hebrews 4.12. And it divides us under soul from spirit, joint and marrow, and, dis- and discerns the thoughts and then the intents of the heart. So you've got to have something that, that's able to, to categorize who you are inside. And uh, my experiences of walking with Jesus all over all these decades of time has shown me that God is a spirit. Now if I learn to get in touch and stay in touch with Him spiritually, then I can hear Him, He often emphasizes Scripture. Maybe I'll talk about that a little bit more in a minute. 1 Peter 3, verse 3 and 4 says, Do not let your adornment merely be outward, this is New King James, arranging the hair wearing gold or putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart. I really like that. What is the hidden person of the heart? And he was, uh, you know, Peter there's talking to women who, you know, dress up. I think it's good for you to dress up. I think it's okay for you to wear rings and jewelry and gold. Uh, Just don't put that first in your life. And make sure you put enough on, too, by the way. That's a problem today. Would you agree? And make sure it's not too tight, by the way. Yes or no? Uh, But let it be the hidden person of the heart. Wow. Wow. This was talking about there, the spirit. What do you mean? hidden person. That's the person you really are that's sometimes masked by thoughts, masked by emotions, masked by outward things, the real you. I've, I've come across so many people in life that don't like to get quiet, because when they get quiet, the real them surfaces. And then the real them's talking to them about issues they need to deal with. People they need to forgive. Things they need to let go. Things they need to go to God and lay them at his feet. I'm talking about believers. How many hear me? Wow. Then Proverbs twenty twenty seven: The spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord. Searching all the inner depths of his heart. Oh, you could translate it today this way. The, the spirit of man is the light bulb. Of the Lord. It lights us up. That is, He enlightens us. He talks to us where He is. God is a spirit. The spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord because the Holy Spirit lives in us. He enlightens us where He is, and that's in our spiritual nature. That's the reason if you never get quiet, you're constantly fidgeting, or you're constantly listening to things. And today, because of our gadgets. We can, from the time we get up until the time we go to bed, have something coming in our ears. Yes or no? Don't do that. Take some time where you just get quiet. I love to listen to podcasts. I listen to, you know, in my vehicle like you, I listen to all kinds of stuff. And that's good, but sometimes I just cut it off. I do that when I'm walking. I have earbuds, but sometimes I just leave them off. And But they, from my earbuds, I have my heart rate and all that. It's counted in my steps. But sometimes I just cut it off because I want to get quiet if you never get quiet you'll never become acquainted with your human spirit and if you get acquainted with your human spirit guess who is living in your human spirit the Holy Spirit and sometimes we tell children well Jesus is living in my heart well actually actually the Holy Spirit's in you and he is the Spirit of Christ right right I like to boil things down where you can just think about them and quantify them and do something with them. Romans 8, 16, the Spirit himself bears witness, watch this, with our spirit that we are the children of God. Uh, Go back to the book of Genesis. Think about Adam and Eve when they were first created from the hand of God. And think about the relationship they had with God. They had a spiritual relationship with the Lord. Okay. Okay. Uh, these are extra biblical books, but I just finished reading for the second time this week, or I've almost done, uh, the book of Enoch. Enoch walked with God and was not because God took him. And I was listening to a guy, and I never thought about this, but if you go look at the genealogies in Genesis 5 and the time periods of, of people's lives and how long their lives lived, this guy made the comment, and I never thought about it this way. He said, Enoch knew Adam. And then he saw, think about what Enoch may have, have talked about with Adam. You imagine that kind of conversation? Hey Adam. So, you know, talk to me about God coming down talking to you in the evening hours. You imagine Adam telling Enoch, well, it was like this. I, I had the glory of God on me. I didn't know I was naked. And I was burning like a fire. And God was fire and he came down. We talked together. Can you imagine that? And then he probably talked to him about sin and all that. But anyway, he talked to him. And maybe, maybe Enoch said, now what does the voice of God sound like? Wow. Isn't that something? Enoch was not because God took him. He walked so closely to the Lord that his physical life was absorbed into the spiritual realm. That's... More than you can think about, isn't it? Right? Well, if Enoch could do that, so can you. What's keeping you from going there? Your goal should not be to be absorbed like that. Your goal should be to walk with Jesus. Right? So I'm just saying all this because just think about Adam and Eve. God created us to know him to be intimate with him, to fellowship with him, and to live from that inner knowing, that gut sense, that, inward, that the inward, the spirit nature. How many hear me? He created us to listen to the inner person first before we listen to the reason and emotion in body. Yes or no? See, we, we reverse it, don't we? First of all, we reason everything out. Then we feel everything out. then we let our bodies get in in the way. And the last thing sometimes we do is spiritual things. So I've I've sought to change that in my life. I'm really glad. You know, if you came to the Lord later in life, God can work with you whatever age. I came to the Lord when I was 18. And I had some habits and all this kind of stuff. Even as an 18-year-old, they would have been much more entrenched had I been older when I came to the Lord. If you're 30 or 40 or 50 when you come to the Lord, I'm going to know you got some stuff to change. And, you know, somebody said we're like, cement thoroughly mixed and well set so you know as you age that cement dries and you got to really get the pickaxe out okay god let's get after it i got to change these thoughts i got to change these emotions got to change these physical habits right but anyway i'm gonna get to my point here and I'll, i'll be done pretty quickly here praying in the spirit is your spirit talking to god without your mind being involved and that experience comes with the baptism with the holy spirit now, you know, a person with an experience is, is uh, never at the mercy of a person with an argument. So if you're listening to this online or you're listening to my podcast and you hear me talking about this, understand you can tell me all day long that I'm cuckoo and I say, you can say what you want. I just had the experience of almost 47 years of doing this and it's transformed my life. And it's brought me to where I am today. What has brought me to where I am today? Uh, walking with God, feeding on the Word of God, and praying in the Holy Ghost. How many hear me? I notice Jesus said this, However, when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, John 16, 13, He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak. He will tell you things to come. He will glorify Me, for He will take of what is Mine, And he will give it to you. I'm going to skip to number three in my notes for those back there. Uh, 1 Corinthians 14. What happens when you pray in tongues? It's your spirit talking to God without your head being involved. Is there value in that? Is there value in talking to God? Huh? Well, 1 Corinthians 14 2 says, He who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men. So I'm not talking to you. He said, but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. Everybody say mysteries. mysteries. Hmm. Now, different translations say that different ways. Another translation, Phillips, J.B. Phillips' translation says, in his spirit is he speaking spiritual secrets. What are spiritual secrets? Well, they're obviously things you don't know about. And there are things about your relationship with God, your relationship with your future that you just don't know about. They're secrets, right? So he said, when I'm praying in tongues, I'm praying about things that I would otherwise not know to pray about because they're not in my mind. No, they're spiritual things. Um, another translation, let me see. Um, secret things, Bible in basic English. NCV, secret things through the Spirit. Weiss um, uh, New Testament, he's speaking spiritual truths. Hmm. Oh, I love this one. Amplified's my favorite Uh, Because in the Holy Spirit, when you're praying in tongues, you utter secret truths and hidden things. Hmm. Not obvious to the understanding. Hidden things to whom? Hidden to me, hidden to you. There are things about your family, the things about life that you don't know. Praying in the Spirit, you'll pray them out. I got a lot of, in fact, let me share one more scripture. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11. New King James says this, For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. There are things about you that you don't know that your inner person knows, your spirit because the Holy Spirit's in your spirit, right? And he won't tell you everything, but there are things that he knows that you don't know Philip's translation of that verse, 1 Corinthians 2, 11, for nothing is hidden from the Spirit, not even the deep wisdom of God. Verse 10, verse 11, for who could really understand a man's inmost thoughts except the Spirit of man himself? Wow. So there are things about life that you don't know that are coming up that you need to know. And praying in the Spirit is a way that you can pray yourself into the will of God. I mentioned in our prayer time, we have a prayer time at 8, you're invited to come I mentioned Romans 8, 26. Likewise, the Spirit helps our weakness. What is our weakness? We do not know what we should pray for as we should, but the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. The groanings which cannot be uttered is really talking about praying in tongues. And then verse 27, He who searches the heart knows what the, what is the mind or the will of the Spirit is because He makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. It's not in the notes, guys, sorry. So again, praying in the spirit, you're praying out the will of God for your life. Isn't that amazing? A couple of personal. Uh, I got all this stuff, all these things I, I have in my heart. Um, December 1993. It was the second Monday of December 1993. I know that because we had a, a Christmas party at the church I was an associate pastor of in my hometown the night before, and it was the second. It was the second Monday. That was the second Sunday. And I was up, I had taken a shower, and I had to take my kids to school. They were young. Uh, we had like a, a nine-year-old, nine year old, nine, seven year old, six, five year old, three year old. And so I'm busy, you know, and, and so I got a shower, and I'm in. I'm actually, uh, I had another uh, room adjoining the bathroom where the shower was, and it had sinks and all that, and I'm there shaving. And I'm just minding my business shaving, you know, and looking at my face so I won't cut myself and making sure I shave where I need to. And, and you know, do, and, and while I'm doing that, I hear, and now let me say, before I did this, I had been praying about an hour in the Spirit in other tongues. <laughs> and I'm shaving and I hear, go check your oil. Uh, go check your oil. I have never in my life Check my oil on early Monday morning. Never in my whole life. But I'm shaving. Go check your oil. And you know, then I'm getting the rag, hot rag, and I'm wiping. Buffet. Go check your oil. This is absurd. See, see, secret truths and hidden things is what you're praying when you're praying in the spirit, and it includes natural life and spiritual life. How many hear me? It's amazing how it works now so so you know it was so so much inside of me and see now how did i hear that because i had spent time in the word number one secondly i had prayed with my understanding that's with english and then i had taken time and i had prayed in tongues and after that see when you pray in the spirit you get your mind quiet you ever noticed your body can be quiet but your mind's racing a thousand miles a minute is that right it's harder to get your mind quiet than it is to get your body quiet is that true that's why meditation is so important. Meditate on scripture to get your mind quiet. You hear me? And then, uh, but I've been praying, and but I kept check your oil, check your oil. So I went out there, and we had a we had a van, and I pulled the you know pulled the hood, and I pulled the oil dipstick out. When I did, now the men, some of the men may understand. There was sludge all over that thing. That's a big problem. If you go check your oil and there's sludge, and it's nasty looking, you got problems. My head gasket on my engine had burst, and I didn't know it. That's why the Lord said, check your oil. I, t- I said, whoa. Well, I didn't know what to do. I didn't have a, I, I don't think, I think you'd already, I, you weren't there. I had to take the kiss. What am I going to do? I took that van. I made a beeline to a guy I knew that was, a, that was an auto mechanic, and I just parked it right there and cut the engine off. He checked that thing and said, Mitch, your e- head gasket has burst." And if you had kept driving with that, it would have eventually put water all on the interior of your engine, and then the main bearings would have been ruined, and then you'd have ruined your whole engine. You have to have your engine replaced. As it is, it looks like everything's okay. You just need to fix your head gasket. It cost me. This is 1993, $440. Oh, that's a little bit cheaper than a whole engine. Yeah. Would you say? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you know, I went away from that experience going, "Wow, maybe I." Maybe I need to think a little more about this praying in the spirit stuff. You hear me? What I'm trying to get across to you is natural things and spiritual things. If you need to do something, you're praying in the spirit. The Lord knows how to talk to you. Just got to learn to get quiet and listen. How many hear me? I've already mentioned these things so many times, but in November of that same year, I was actually uh, pastoring the church in Abundant Life Church in. Uh, in uh, my hometown, Florence, South Carolina, the pastor had gone to another nation, actually Latvia, and had started the church, moved his whole family. I was pastoring his church for him, and he was only going to be gone for one year, from January 93 to January 94, and so I pastored his whole church. Big story. I don't have time to tell half of it, and, uh, uh, but towards his, uh, the end of my pastoring the church for him, he was going to come back, and, um, and, I, and I was thinking inside, okay, Lord, what you got for me when... The pastor comes back, Carl, what you got for me? What you got for me? I was praying, this is the second Tuesday of November of 1993, and again, I was praying in the Spirit, just praying in the Spirit. And sometimes when you just pray in the Spirit, you just get dry mouth, you got to drink some water. Other times, you know, something will float up from inside, and if something floated up, you know what it was? Three words. Already existing church. God knows how to talk to you. He knows what you're thinking. So often he'll use as few words as necessary and sometimes he'll use colloquialisms, colloquialisms that you know. So for me, he just said already existing church. I had already uh, been on staff at churches. I'd already started the church, but I'd never taken over an already existing church. So instead of wasting all his words, he knew what I was thinking. God, what am I going to do? And what I, as I began to pray, I saw... I'm going to go pastor one day an already existing church, and this is it. Eleven months later, I was here. Now, where did I get that? Praying in the Spirit. I'm just trying to quickly show you that this stuff is like really, really amazing, and um, it, it affects natural things and spiritual things, and if God wants you to do something, He knows how to talk to you. If you'll pray in the Spirit and just get quiet, He'll speak. That's not going, and you can't make it up, and it doesn't happen all the time. But when he needs to say something to you, how many know that's the apparatus he can use? If you don't do that, he's going. You're going to be dull spiritually. You're going to have hard, have a hard time hearing anything from God. How many here? This is the last one. I got bunches. May of 1989. September of 88, Susan, September 2nd, 1988, Susan and I moved from Tulsa, Oklahoma with there were three children at the time, two children. She was pregnant with the third. And we moved to a small town in South Carolina to start a church from scratch. Nothing had, had existed there. No spirit filled church she had been there, no charismatic church, anything like that. And I was going to that uh, town to start a church. I was 30 years of age. So we got the church going, and here we are, so that's September, October, November, all the way down to May of 1989. One day somebody come up to me and said, uh, and they put some money in my hand and said, because I had spent all of my savings starting the church. I'd sold a house in Oklahoma and spent the money, the proceeds from the house, and we had started the church and rented things and did what we needed to do, and I just spent all my money up, and I was believing God with every belief I got in me. And then somebody walks up to me. How would you like somebody to walk up to me and say, here's a down payment on the house. I said, what? And they said it again. I said, really? Uh-huh. Yep, uh, I'm going to give you a down payment. You'll find your house. I said, okay. <laughs> Long story short, the more I prayed, the more I couldn't even buy a house near where I pastored. Nobody understood it. I didn't even understand it. I'd be praying in the Spirit. I was praying in the Spirit one morning. And I here's what I heard. See, you you pray in the spirit, and then you just get quiet. Here's what I heard. Go to Florence to look for a house. We had looked in the town where we were, and no, we, Susan nor I could be settled on one. Then a, a town eight nine miles from that one, we couldn't get settled on a house. We'd hired a realtor to help us. And then I was praying, and then and then my hometown was 32 miles from my church. That makes no sense, right? But I heard clearly go. Everybody okay? I'm about done. I always say I'm about done, right? And so I called a realtor in my hometown and and this person took us around and we found a house. Now watch this. We found a house. Uh, It was, you know what a fixer-upper is? It was a fixer-fixer-fixer-upper-upper-upper. But it had, you know, a couple of living areas and bedrooms and all we needed and Big old yard, and I got lots of kids. Going to have some more, and so, uh, and so I'm praying in the spirit. And not only did the Lord tell me to go to my hometown to get the house, what says? Then He told me what price to offer on the house, and it was such a lowball, a lowball price that I told my realtor, and she said they'll never accept that. I said, Aren't you required by law? Yep. I said, Well, tell them, because I was praying in the spirit, and the Lord spoke to me. No, I'm not making this up, I promise. So uh uh, sure sure enough, just like she said, she called the person that owned the house that night and they said, No way. Then she called me the next morning, said, You won't believe? I said, I'll believe anything. What you got? And she said, Well, they said no last night, but this morning they called me back and said, I'll accept the offer. I said, Well, there is a God in heaven to myself. And I bought that fixer-upper. You know what it enabled us to do? It enabled us, we, we sold the house because Susan got pregnant again. And uh, we had our fourth child, and I needed an extra bedroom. So we were able to uh, sell that house and, and make enough uh, proceeds from the house to buy a really much nicer house. And uh, God was good. to see, I'm just wanting you to see God will direct your steps. Spiritually and naturally. You hear me? But you got to be in tune to live. I've got all these anecdotes. I could, tell, I could stand there all day and talk to you about this stuff. Just praying in the Spirit. Now, you know, let me just say, I'm praying in Spirit now, saying, okay, God, if there's anything I need to do. I'm ready. I'm willing. Just talk to me. And let me tell you about the Lord. Uh, I go, and I heard Kenneth Hagin say this, and I never understood it back in the early 80s. I understand it now, but I didn't understand it. Then he said, I go as much by what the Lord doesn't say as by what He does say. Now, what's he saying with it? Well, if God's not speaking, just keep doing what you're doing. Doing what you know to do, right? No reason to get in a huff and a puff about it. Just keep going. Just keep moving. But if you're praying and you're praying in the Spirit, you're praying out the will of God for your life. And you know, if you're praying in the Spirit and you need to make adjustments, something on the inside, see the Holy Spirit will rise up and you'll sense things on the inside. Many times I just have an impression on the inside. Do this, don't do this, do that, don't do that. How many hear me? And it all comes from praying in the Spirit or praying in other tongues. So I want to encourage you. You're baptized with the Holy Spirit. Take some time every day to pray in the Spirit. That is, pray in other tongues. How many hear me? Because it will revolutionize your life. You'll be praying out the will of God. It's praying the perfect will of God, according to Romans 8:27. And you're speaking secret truths and hidden things that you don't know about. And you know what? You'll be light years ahead of where you would be had you not been doing that. I'm convinced people go through tragedies, disasters, and challenges uh, uh, personally and as well as family-wise because they're not praying in the Spirit as they should. If you're praying in the Spirit, how many know you can ward off things? You can keep things from happening. God will show you things. That many times God will show me something that could happen. I'll pray and say, in the name of Jesus, may that not occur. In the name of Jesus, Satan, stop in Jesus' name. How many hear me? Because we have authority spiritually. Is that right? So wherever you are in life, maybe you're a new believer, get baptized with the Holy Spirit. If you're not a believer, come to Jesus. If you are a believer, get baptized with the Holy Spirit. If you're young, get baptized in the Holy Spirit. If you're older, get baptized in the Holy Spirit. If you're younger, it'll help you with your job, with your family, with your children, as you have kids. If you're older, it'll help you as you settle into those older years, those golden years in life. Give you wisdom with your grandchildren, with your adult children, how many hear me? Give you wisdom with your retirement years God wants to help you but more than that you do this it'll keep you on the edge so that everywhere you go the Lord will use you to minister life to people and it won't be some weird something you'll just be as natural as you can be and God will open doors of ministry doors for you to share Jesus with people how many think that's kind of cool